What does sales tax nexus mean? What about that letter I got from California saying I owe them state tax? We're going to answer these questions and more all about taxes and Amazon on today's episode. How's it going, everybody? This is Bradley Sutton, and this is the Serious Sellers Podcast. We have an amazing episode for you today because this is a topic that is freaking out Amazon sellers around the United States, around the world. Anybody who's selling in America is freaking out about this topic. It is the T word, taxes. So with me today, I have Paul from the Online Merchants Guild. Now, Paul, first of all, why the heck should we care about your opinion or who the heck are you? Why should we listen to you about taxes? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I have a lot of experience. I used to work at H&R Block and then I decided I was going to help a bunch of sellers. I felt that was good. So uh, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Poor attempt again. <laughs> uh, I've been practicing tax law for almost 10 years as a lawyer, almost 15 years as a lawyer. Um, and just to give a little background, before I went into law, I actually was a seller. I was a pre-FBA seller. So we're talking, you know, 02, 03, 04. I discovered retail arbitrage one Black Friday and realized that I can get Raph Family Guy or, you know, Seinfeld DVDs and flip them for 40 bucks when I'm buying them. 02 and 03, wasn't, wasn't those days still only books or, or there was already the private label marketplace there? Me, I hate accounting. I hate taxes. I hate all of that stuff, but I guess Me it takes too. like a special kind of person to, to really be able to stick with it. So, well, no, yeah. I, I mean, I do too. I just, I just think it's, it's a misconception. I think people always say, what do you do on April 15th? I'm like, same thing you are just dreading my taxes because my, you know, my CPA is preparing it. Now, one word that you just said right there, this is like kind of triggered me right now because yeah. I think that is a big thing. Misconception. So we see a lot of misconceptions out there about taxes right now. I'm sure you see it as well. And that was why I wanted to make you one of the first episodes on the Serious Seller podcast, because there are serious sellers out there who are being misled, who have the wrong ideas. So let me just start this off. What are some of the things from a seller's viewpoint? You know, I'm sure you're active in Facebook groups or people ask you questions. So from a seller's viewpoint, what are some of the things you have heard sellers say that they think is going on about taxes that is like definitely a misconception or definitely erroneous? Oh my God. Yeah. Gee. Uh, how long since this podcast? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think the, the one that I hate is this idea of, you know, you know, some software company told me I have the nexus and therefore I have to pay taxes and I didn't pay taxes. And therefore, right, well, real, real briefly, for those who don't know it, what does nexus mean for the Star Trek fans? It was it was something in one of the Star Trek, the next generation movies. But for those of you Trekkies out there, that's not what we're talking about here. What is nexus here when it comes to uh, taxes? Yeah. Um, so Nexus is not is a is both a a, a jurisdictional and 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 it became a state tax a standard of sort of when a state can assert both jurisdiction and actually subject you to their tax regime uh, whether that's to pay their income taxes or whether they can deputize you as the tax collector for their retail sales tax that that. Uh, you know, so that whenever a transaction that is subject to sales tax occurs, you're basically the state has the jurisdiction to say you are the collector. Um, you shall collect the money, put it in trust, and then turn it over to us at a set time, depending on how much money you collect every period. Okay, so what's the main the main thing regarding Nexus that you think sellers are confused about? Sure. So there's a sort of general thing that's been around since the 50s. Um, uh, 
this notion of physical presence. And, and we, we saw that most recently we, we refer to the Quill decision and Quill being overturned by this recent Supreme Court case called Wayfair. And that, you know, physical presence equals nexus equals your hose, you know, and, and it's just a very big misconception. And there's a lot of, you know, accountants and software companies out there that are sort of peddling this notion of, you know, you had physical presence via the FBA warehouse and therefore you're in deep trouble. Wayfair only confirms that. Um, well, first of all, the states were already after a lot of sellers prior to Wayfair for the very reason that you had, you know, they claimed you had physical presence due to a warehouse or that that physical presence somehow created nexus or that it was constitutionally not a burden for them to impose a sales tax burden on you as a result of that supposed physical presence. The point being is with all of that happening, the fact that this, that economic nexus, this new concept of, okay, 200 transactions or $100,000, whichever comes first, as if we don't know, it's always going to be 200 transactions. Um, uh, you have nexus in the state and, and it's sort of, you know, wait a minute, why are you now scaring us with economic nexus? We were already being scared by the states before Wayfair because they were claiming a physical presence nexus. Technically, that's not even applicable to us. So there's just sort of this confusion, but I think where people really forget to, to look at is just sort of the common sense facts. Like, are you a retailer? Are you actually the retailer in an Amazon transaction? And I think that surprises people that they don't even think about that. Yeah, you can have Nexus. I can be in a state and if I am doing business. So, so like I said, I don't necessarily think there's Nexus here. Uh, there's a lot of questions under our process clause. I don't want to get into all the technical, but you know, I, have, I do have a Facebook group, Amazon Sellers, Sales Tax Lawyer. It's free. There's, the discussion is great. It's amazing. 1,600 people talking about sales taxes. It's crazy. Um, oh, that sounds like a thrill a minute right there. You, you would think so. It's also, to me, <laughs> I say evidence of the burden on interstate commerce because there's no reason 1,600 people should be a Facebook group talking about a, a tax burden that was meant for the Fortune 500, not for a kitchen table enterprise. Okay. So in your opinion then, or with you know what you know, we've established that you're very knowledgeable as far as tax, constitutional law, all that wonderful stuff. So like I'm Joe Seller. I'm based out of California, let's say, obviously I've got to pay California sales tax. Now, I think so. I mean, I'm well, so, so, so interesting point because that's always a question. And I know that a lot of sellers do collect sales tax in their home state. And I would never probably advise that someone stop doing what they're already accustomed to doing. Okay. Um, Just know that make sure you're doing all that you're supposed to do. Um, But actually it's like I said, you know, if you think it take two companies, take Starbucks and take Walmart, right? And think, okay, if you buy a pound of coffee, a bag of coffee inside of Starbucks store, right? Starbucks has to collect sales tax on that, right? Because okay. you're in yeah. the Starbucks store, Starbucks has Nexus. But you buy that same bag of coffee, let's say you buy the same skew of coffee inside of Walmart. Well, Starbucks has Nexus in California. We already established that. But it's not Starbucks' responsibility anymore to collect that tax it's Walmart's. And when you have, uh, you know, the situation where in Amazon land, you're sort of, they're sort of, you know, gaming their terms and conditions to say, you know, they're a retailer in every which way, except for sales tax purposes. I mean, those types of arguments don't usually hold water in states like California, in states like California, but again, it's a very influential company. Um, but we, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, there's even like regulations in, in California, regulation 1569, 
If you're listening to this, Google tax regulation, California tax regulation, 1569, it's two sentences. It'll probably make you angry. Um, publication 109 under consignment, right? In, it, under California law, you're basically, it's like your virtual consignment stores, basically. You're consigning the inventory to the retail, to Amazon, who provides the retail front and experience to the consumer. So I think, again, so regardless of Nexus, it's, it's uh, another area that people aren't focusing on. Or so if even that is a gray area, then for sure, um, I mean, in your opinion, um, another situation would be I'm in California. Uh, I've been paying California sales tax, uh, so I'm going to keep doing that. But I send product to the, um, let me try and think of, uh, you know, the Ohio DC, right? And then yeah. uh, in the Ohio DC ships out a product to a customer in Ohio. Now, does that mean that for that order, I should be responsible for collecting sales tax for the state of Ohio? Same thing. I mean, again, so from a next, so a couple of things we have to establish. There's a lot of ways to, to attack this, right? So we've talked about what I call the state statutory, what I'll call the state statutory reason, which is are you a retailer under state law? And I actually have this giant picture show um, and I'm happy to send you a link. You can post it on, you know, with this thing so people can kind of watch and see. But it's just sort of all the ways I actually used it. I had a hearing today at an appeals hearing for a seller in the state of Washington. And I actually used it. And, and the hearing officer 100% agreed. I mean, he was laughing at some parts of it because it's so obvious. This is an avoidance game that should never have been given any, 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 any credibility. But... You know, it's, it's a powerful company. But my point is that you've got the state statutory reason. Reason You're not a legal retailer under the state of law. That's one scenario. The nexus question, do you have nexus? In other words, does the state have the right to subject you to their jurisdiction is a two-part question. The, the physical presence test was the prior uh, rule. And, it, and, and in many ways, you could say, well, because of weight, their physical presence is no longer a factor. You know, and that has a two-way street. So it means that just that slight physical presence of uh, FBA may not actually be nexus and may not have ever been uh, because it was just not significant enough. Um, and then the third factor is what we call the unconstitutional burden on interstate commerce. And that's serious. And that's where I really get kicked off. And that's where I really say, sellers, you don't realize your constitutional rights are being trampled on because you're being forced into this system that you can't possibly afford to comply with. If you're making $70,000 a year on a million of sales, which I see a lot, uh, you can't afford to comply with all the sales taxes, all the income taxes, which they don't tell you about. But if Amazon fulfillment centers are in a state, they expect you to pay income tax too. And it's not the tax, it's the fact that you're going to have to find an accountant in Mississippi. You live in Washington. You're going to have to pay some accountant to do a you know, $2,000 tax return for your business, for your personal and what, to report $250? You know, it, it's a nightmare. And then you've got to register with the Secretary of State, which some of these tax companies don't tell you. So like the seller that came to me the other day and registered with Connecticut because some software company told them that's what they needed to do two years ago. And then they got a bill from Connecticut saying you owe $200 a month because you never registered with the Secretary of State. So my whole thing with sellers is just know, some sellers, listen, they're risk tolerant. They believe it's a risk not to comply with all the states, but just know what that risk is. But back to that third thing, what I just described is an undue burden on interstate commerce, especially the sales tax. Why do I say that? Because there's an obvious alternative. Amazon collects as a marketplace. And that just started happening this year in 2018 
with Washington, with Pennsylvania, with Minnesota, with Oklahoma, New Jersey, Connecticut. I'm sure I'm forgetting a few. So, so for those, what, what, what that is, if, if I understand it correctly, where Amazon actually collects the sales tax for you, you know, that money never actually hits your account. They collect it and then they remit it to those states on their own. And then for those states, there's for sure, you don't have to file yourself or report anything because Amazon is taking care of that for you. Is that correct? I mean, yes and no. I mean, we're going to see more, you know, the state of Washington is going to want you to file, to still file the dumb, complicated tax return and then take a credit for the taxes Amazon supposedly collects on your behalf. That sounds um, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And then you have to pay this thing called the business and occupation tax, which um, so I have a law partner who's an Amazon seller. His name's Jeff Schick. He's a multi-million dollar seller. And that's why I love having him as a partner because he understands a whole nother level of Amazon that I don't because he still has an active business. Uh, and um, he was telling me that you know he had registered law estates long before he went to law school because you know, he, he was listening to the same advice everyone else was at the time. I wasn't doing this. Uh, and he said he paid... He was showing me something. I think he said he paid like, you know, his $500 uh, total fees to one of these tax software firms for the year. And he was showing me there were months where he was collecting 43, paying 43 cents of his tax to the state of Washington. And all in, I think he paid like seven or 12 bucks and paid $500 for one state. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, but that's, you know, yeah. and I don't think people realize it's not just the 45 states with a sales tax jurisdiction. Colorado almost passed a law that, you know, almost started telling sellers they had to comply with all their local jurisdictions. There's hundreds of local towns in Colorado that have their own sales tax form and system, like not just on the same form. Um, they have their own, uh, their own system. And, uh, and you have to file, they, they wanted sellers to file in all these states. Louisiana has this Alabama, they're called home rule jurisdictions. So, you know, just like I said, people don't understand that, but, but so yeah, so Washington, even with marketplace collection still hasn't fully eliminated the burden. And so it comes down to, what I would say is the new quill question is, is it's Pike versus Bruce Church. It's a 1970 case, which says, you know, listen, the, door, the, the states have two options, option A and option B. Option A is the biggest burden in the history of interstate commerce, trying to enforce the tax law against 4 million or 5 million sellers, 38% of whom are in China, who will never, ever care about tax compliance mm-hmm. um, and will potentially put a lot of businesses out of uh, out of business. And oh, by the way, I think it was Cynthia Stein who told me she refers to Amazon from a women-owned business perspective as the greatest equalizer for women-owned businesses. Let's shut that whole thing down. Or, and, and, and by the way, that's 3% effective at best. Or the alternative is zero burden on interstate commerce and 100% compliance by, uh, and by the state. They get all the money they want. All we're saying as sellers is do that. Do B. And the Constitution of the United States and Pike versus Bruce Church would say, absolutely, you have to do that. That's not even a that's not even a question. But but the Supreme Court's Wayfair decision was deliberate, deliberately brought in such a way to avoid that question. I did write a Supreme Court brief for our online merchant skill in that case to sort of offer that perspective. And I, and and from what my colleagues in in my little state tax nerd space that I you know grew up in, or um, it, it got it was effective. But, uh, you know, really, they designed the Wayfair case to avoid that and so that they could misconstrue it and take a case that was about making a billion dollar company collect sales tax and turn it into this assault on small little businesses across the country. Is there something that sellers need to do ASAP, in your opinion? The sellers that I've been working with over the last year and a half, 
the ones that tend to reach out to me first, who just happen to find me on some webinar and reach out to me and retain me as, as, as counsel and, and said, you know, what do I do about this letter? Do we go and fight it? Do we go and litigate? Absolutely not. It's a half a million to a million dollars to litigate a case in California. You can't afford it. I would be a total idiot if I was going to tell you we're going to go fight it in court. Are you crazy? Um, so what we do is we strategically, we, we, we look out, we make sure it's the right letter. We want to make sure that we're not ignoring the letter that may force you to take some action uh, to buy some time. You know, and, that, and that letter would be very specific. It would have some number on it, like an amount you would owe and say a set amount of time. You need to respond or else we're going to go and get a judgment against you. Right? This letter, you know, this letter is a comply or else. But I have to disclose something. Uh, typically, if you cooperate with California, they would limit their look back to four years instead of six. I've been told that some people have been told it's now three years just to kind of get more people to come in. So, you know, some sellers think that's a big, you know, that's important. I mean, again, the law is not on, the law is totally not on your side. There's a lot of sellers. So again, why we want online merchants still to take off is because if enough sellers got together, right, if 50,000 sellers came up with $100, we would be over this. The, the PR, the legal, we would be done. The states would look ridiculous. But it's hard to get that. And um, But in the meantime, you know, sellers say, oh, well, you know, three years is better than six years. It's 100, 200,000. I know sellers who have spent over a million dollars in back taxes in California. And I'll tell you something, I'm gonna, I, want it, I want those cases because I'm going to get their money back. And, and, and I'm, I, I really do. I think this is disgusting. Um, this is a bullying tactic, in my opinion. This is my personal opinion. Again, there's a lot that goes into advising a business. So I have to be very clear. I am not giving you advice. I don't know a thing about your business. And there's a lot of reasons why you might want to actually get involved with California. Most of the time, I tend to, we tend not to go there. But I mean, there are considerations. And so without knowing that, I just have to disclaim. Yeah, yeah of course. That this is my... I do teach a law course on this stuff. So if you were sitting in my classroom and I was teaching the class and this, this issue came up or this was a question, this would be the discussion we'd be having. This is informative. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is total, total nonsense and you're basically threat, threatened with a, with a or else statement. So yeah, you can come in and comply. But, but back to my original point, the sellers who seem to be doing the best are the ones that just, like I said, strategically ignore it, right? Uh, look for that letter. You know, is this the right one? You know, learning what are the letters you're looking for that tell you you've got to do something versus ones with this sort of maybe language. Like you may get assessed. Or my favorite was the seller who con two sellers contacted me because they got language that they were committing a felony. Guys, you're not committing a felony. This isn't California. They're not. This isn't like the government subpoena. You know, grand jury. This isn't a criminal matter. California is a creditor, right? If somebody said to you, if they went to you and they said, hey. You owe me $100,000 because I shipped uh, you know, $100,000 worth of inventory to you and you never paid me for it. And you knew it was BS. You're going to cry and like go, yeah, whatever, you know, do I pay? You know, you're going to say, absolutely not. Prove it. Put your money where your mouth is. Go call a lawyer. Send me a letter. You know, it's, 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 it's so ridiculous. And I don't mean to belittle what you guys are going through because I can only imagine because I'm so pissed off about primary language because this is. Again, as somebody who actually studies this area of constitutional law for 15 years, this is one of the biggest, outside of civil rights, this is one of the biggest, most massive violation of constitutional rights. I mean, this country was founded on tax tyranny. And, and here it is. Yeah. So what, what would you say is the, is, we only got time for one more question. So like, what would you say is the thing that irks you most? Like, 
not from a seller's viewpoint, but you see other quote unquote tax professionals or, or somebody spreading misinformation. What would you, I know there's probably, you could probably go on for an hour talking about it, but what is the number one thing that really gets under your skin? There's a number of these people who read, you know, blog level stuff about physical presence and nexus. And listen, you guys can read too. So they're not offering you anything, you know, profound uh, and just are out of their element. They should not be doing what they're doing, not realizing that you're just not qualified. You're not a 50 state tax litigator. You're not even a lawyer. Some of you are not even CPAs. You should not be advising. Certainly don't come challenging me. I mean, I, I do talk to litigators. Like I'm a 15 year person. I have 30 year lawyers that taught me what I know. I do confer with them and make sure that I'm not, um, that I'm not, a uh, you know, overly emotional biased as I sound. I do want to check myself because it's a rookie mistake for a lawyer not to do that. Uh, Secondly, that they, they'd say things like, I talked to an auditor and the auditor told me this is not going away. I, like, I care what an auditor said. You know, auditors are wrong all the time. I and mean, that was my, I mean, if, if auditors weren't wrong a lot, I wouldn't have a job security when I was in the big corporate world. There wouldn't be a whole, you know, market of just these types of taxpayers who are just like me who litigate. Auditors are being told what to say by Nick Maduro's, the head of the CTFA. So, of course, they're going to say it's not going away. And also, these people, these, these people out there who are uh, selling uh, their, their so-called services, you know, it, it's, it's a joke. Man. What are they going to do for you? They're going to register you. They're going to get you to California. You're going to get assessed six years of back taxes and go bankrupt trying to pay them. And then what happens when the next day comes after you and no money left, that, that's their best advice. And I'll take a couple months off. So instead of owing 20 million or whatever, instead of owing a million which, or, or even half a million, you know, 400,000 or 450, I mean, for a lot of sellers, that's the, that's the end. And then what are they going to do for you going forward? They're going to register you. Oh, they're going to register you. Now you got to spend 100000 on all these things that you got to do that they didn't tell you about because they don't, they don't practice income tax. They don't, they don't know the law. So they just, all they do is practice sales tax form filing. And then they don't tell you all about the rest of the crap you're going to have to deal with. And it's like, it just, it just never ends. I'm so frustrated. It's like I said, it's like, I said to somebody, it's like when I go to a webinar and debate something, or a webinar or, or, or an actual conference, I debate these people. It's like, you know, it's, it's like being a neurologist with 15 years of experience and I'm debating the, 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 the concussion water people. And they're better, their message is getting out there because they have marketing. And I'm just like a person who does what I do, who trained in this. I teach it. I went to NYU as a tax law, you know, to do advanced tax law. I, I know Native American state tax law, at least one of 10 people in the country probably knows how, how state taxation of Native Americans work. And I've got to compete with Mr. Concussion Water people over here, spreading nonsense that's designed to get you to do stuff that is bad for your business. It's, these, are, these things will hurt your business. It will hurt you personally. You know? So if people, if people who, I mean, most of our listeners have, you know, Amazon businesses, and I'm sure, you know, there's not enough information or not enough time, obviously, today to talk about everything. So yeah, There's tons of, of people who are going to have some questions. How do they reach you to get these questions answered? Or how can they find more information about how you're helping sellers get to the bottom of this, the, all these tax issues? How, how can they find you? Sure. So I, I, first of all, I joined my Facebook group. I close it just for, because I'm told that, that you're supposed to do that to keep spammers out, but just join it. You're in. Um, it's called Amazon Seller Sales Tax Lawyer. Um, I have another Facebook group called uh, Seller Central Something Legal, which is for the non-tax legal questions. But for the tax stuff, I created a separate group. We have about 1,600 people, so it's, it's big. Uh, Amazon Seller Sales Tax Lawyer. 
the discussion, it's amazing how smart the people are. That's, that's the part that impressed me. The, the, the level of discussion we're having about commerce laws, it's so weird that like non-lawyers are having very intelligent discussions about the commerce laws and defending, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, the other way is by a law firm is Francis and Rachel's and Schick, frsattorneys.com, or the easy way to get to us is ecomattorneys.com, ecomattorneys.com, like e-commerce. Uh, and then, of course, you know, if any, if nothing else, you know, join the online merchants guild. Join, you know, we have our levels. We hope people understand that, you know, the reason why we might be asking a seller for $10,000 is because they probably have a million dollars to lose and they're facing a quarter million to a half a million dollar litigation bill. So $10,000 is probably a bargain for you. But at the end of the day, we just want you to join. And if you join at 100 or you join at 20, we, I, I will never know. We don't audit you. I make it a point not to ever look. People say, oh, did my friend join? I don't know because your privacy is so paramount. I never want to look at the list of people who join. I just use the mail, the mass mailing list. I never want to know. And and that makes sure I don't ever accidentally say something like, oh, yeah, you referred to that. Thanks for that. If I say thanks for that, they never admitted that they're a member. So you what's the website again for that? Onlinemerchantskill.org. Please join that. If nothing else, it is a volunteer organization. And we have some great California lawyers working with us right now on the ground. And I just retained the lobbying firm because now that marketplace, marketplace legislation is, is, is in play in California, we need to go in for the first time ever have our voice heard and lobby so that the language that is included in that marketplace legislation includes an exemption for sellers or just sort of a clarity that says that retroactivity includes FBA sellers. And we have the treasurer of California who used to be the head of sales tax, Fiona Ma, on our side. I was able to bring Fiona into this because I know Fiona from my corporate days. She is a fair uh, and very business-focused person. And she's now become the treasurer moving on from head, you know, one of the top people in the sales tax department in California. And she is very, very pro-seller and, and does not want to see our community get hurt and understand who we are. So. We've got a lot of great stuff going on. Onlinemerchantskilled.org. Join, check it out. We have an FAQ that talks about all the tax stuff that we just talked about in way more detail. Um, and that, and and yeah, please do. All right. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for joining us. This is very timely information for sellers as this is on their mind. And hopefully if they have more questions, they'll be able to contact you through one of those websites. Thank you again for coming on. And if something big happens in in the future that we're going to need your help on, for sure, we're going to reach out to you so that you can come back on. But thank you for your time. And we'll see you in your Facebook group or in the online merchant guilds. Thanks a lot, Paul. We'll see you later.